It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Uh, I'm going to say no one's better than me. Death, taxes, the Locked On Dolphins fan base delivering the fire. With this week's Power to the Pod episode of Locked On Dolphins, in which you, the fans, take control of this show, and I am just along for the ride. Put out the feeler for questions last night on social media. And real quick, I do read the reviews of the podcast. I have read uh, that there are people who do not tweet, quote, on principle alone, which more power to, I respect the hell out of it who want to be able to submit questions in a way that is not through the Twitter medium, and I'm working on it. I want to let you guys know that. My name is Kyle Krabs. I'm the host of Locked On Dolphins. Been here about three weeks now, and I've had a blast. It's been really fun to talk with you guys, kind of share my points of view. If you're not familiar with me, I'm a senior NFL draft analyst at thedraftnetwork.com. I am USA Today's managing editor of dolphinswire.com, diehard Dolphins fan, and super stoked once a week to give this podcast over to you, the fans of the show, and let you decide what we're going to talk about, which is what you've done today. Typically, we do these on like Tuesdays or Wednesdays, but with free agency and Tom Brady getting the hell out of the AFCs, kind of had our hands full this week, so we're sneaking it in at the buzzer, but that makes for a great Friday episode in which you guys can sit back kick up your feet, and enjoy hearing from other Dolphins fans around the space and what they want to know, what they want to talk about, what they're hearing, what their questions are. And the first question comes from Lee Connolly. Isn't Trent Williams just a no-brainer for the Dolphins? We have the picks to trade. I say late second and cap space to pay him. Will we draft a guy that good? In my opinion, no. Great question, Lee. I know there's, there's a lot of question about offensive tackle for the Miami Dolphins. You know, they've kind of sat on their hands with the specifically to the tackle position and it seems like they feel like they can feasibly get uh, an offensive tackle in the draft. My only question with Trent Williams is this, the, the way the Dolphins would justify this move of trading hypothetically Lee as you suggest uh, say 56th overall pick in the 2020 NFL draft and then a contract extension to pay Trent Williams. Only way they justify that is if this team feels like they can win right now. Because you look across all the free agent additions that the Dolphins have, have been able to pull in so far in free agency, and they finalized all their signings yesterday. Uh, from what I saw, I think Shaq Lawson might be the only exception. They are targeting guys 25, 26, 27 years old. Trent Williams is not old because he's 31 years old. For NFL tackles and and football players, it's perceived as though you are past your physical prime. 
Uh, Trent Williams didn't really play or did not play last year at all. He had a big holdout and then failed his physical. Uh, turned out he had a, a, a cancerous growth on his head that the that the team kind of tried to brush under the rug. It seems like that's beyond him or he's he's moved past that now, which is you know more than anything else. Thank goodness Trent Williams' health is the most important thing. Uh, but it seems like the bridge has been burned in Washington, and, and Washington's going to want to try and move him. And listen, Washington had a chance to get Trent Williams for the Cleveland Browns' first-round pick last year. And former VP of Ops, I believe that was his title, effectively the GM, uh, Bruce Allen, uh, told Cleveland to kick rocks just because he he wanted to make Trent Williams twist in the wind, which is bad business, first of all. And lo and behold, Bruce Allen's not there anymore. Uh, Cleveland, or Washington will not get a one for Trent Williams at this point, having sat out the entire year and the, the financial status and you know his age at 31 years old. So I think from a value perspective, Lee, you're absolutely right. The Dolphins will not get a better football player at 56 than Trent Williams. But if the only way this gets justified, in my opinion, is if the Dolphins feel like they can win right now, if not, you are running the risk of accelerating a lot of cash, surrendering a valuable chip for a guy who, by the time you might be like legitimately ready to compete in two or three years, now you're really facing a downturn, and now you're going to need an offensive tackle again. So I think the Dolphins would need to take this with long-term view and ask themselves where they feel like they're at on their timeline. I still feel like they're on more of a long-term timeline, so I wouldn't make the move based on what you'd have to pay and by the time your team is ready to compete, where your team is going to be or and where Trent Williams will be. Uh, Jack Ross, if somehow Chase Young and Tua are there at pick five, who should Miami select? Jeez, Louise. Jack's trying to kill me this morning. I could tell you I have Chase Young rated as the higher football player. I think especially when you consider the the medicals for two. I mean, let's be honest, Chase Young's never going to be there at five. If somehow he were, I would probably go with an unbelievable value with the fifth overall pick, and then I would be looking to move up from 18 to get a quarterback, try to get back into the top 10 somehow. That is how I would choose to take that scenario. If I could walk away with Chase Young and Tua or Chase Young and Justin Herbert or Chase Young and Jordan Love, I still feel like I won. I like all three quarterbacks to varying degrees. I think Jordan Love is the the highest variance. I think he's the highest risk. I think Justin Herbert's uh, the most clear projection, and I think Tua has the highest ceiling, but the biggest question mark out of all three with the medicals. But if, if both were there, I'm taking Chase Young at five because I know there's no way I'm going to get to pick eight on the board and Chase Young's still going to be there. But I might still get, I will probably get two out of three of Tua, Justin Herbert, and Jordan Love still on the board, if not all three, depending on what the Chargers end up doing. 305 Vibes. Would you consider Isaiah Simmons at five? I feel like if we get him, it would elevate us to a perennial top five defense. You're not wrong in that Isaiah Simmons is the perfect fit for Brian Flores for all the versatility he brings to the table. But I think you see some alternatives later in the draft that maybe aren't the same size as Isaiah Simmons but have similar rare athletic gifts that can be developed and coached and catered and 
with a little bit of incubation time. Jeremy Chin, who I keep talking about on this podcast. I'm going to hammer this name home until you guys have it burning in the back of your heads. Kyle Duggar is another one uh, from Lenore Ryan, and an even smaller school. I believe Lenore Ryan is D3 or D2. Even smaller, but another athletic freak. These guys can be chess pieces as linebacker safety hybrids uh, that are probably going to be available on day two. So would I take Isaiah Simmons at five, forego a quarterback, forego other potential best players available to take him when I feel like I can get a similar athlete that I just need to mold from a, a mental perspective or make sure I bring him along a little bit and you might be a little smaller? That's where I struggle with the proposition based on all the needs the Dolphins have. Bob. Oh, man, this is the hot-button topic right now. I wrote about this yesterday for the Draft Network, and I had Cincinnati Bengals fans that I'm pretty sure were getting ready to grab their pitchforks and come to the front door. Would you rather trade to one and get Burrow, giving up 5-18 and Houston's one next year, or stay at five if you know we could get Tua? This isn't going away. You continue to hear Armando Salguero of, of the Miami Herald has more than once now insinuated that the Dolphins are going to try to make a jump at a play for Joe Burrow. And if they do, the only way I would be okay with it is in a scenario like what Bob presented here, which is two first-round picks this year and a first-round pick next year. I have a really hard time with the proposition of swallowing the pill that I'm going to give up all three of my first-round picks this year in a really good offensive line class, when if I could keep 26 and either get Cesar Ruiz or Lucas Nyang or Josh Jones, one of those three guys, to add another piece of the offensive line to work with Joe Burrow and then potentially another one at either 39 or 56, I would be okay with that. Would the Bengals do that? I doubt it. What I wrote yesterday for the Draft Network is that the Dolphins would have to give the Cincinnati Bengals a godfather-type deal, an offer you can't refuse. Three first-round picks in one year makes it interesting, but I think that gets you to the table, and then I think the Bengals start asking for more. And if you're the Miami Dolphins with all the holes that you have on this roster, you can't give away all your bullets this year. But if you told me, I could get Joe Burrow for 5-18 and Houston's one next year? Yeah, I got to have some soul searching because as much as I like Tua's film, there is an uncertainty factor here that's being exacerbated by the current climate across the country in which you can't travel. And, and doctor's visits and medical recheck, I don't know. And until I know, like I'm operating under the assumption right now that things are going to work out for Tua to be able to illustrate what he needs to to appease those questions and concerns. But if we get to the week of the draft and Tua can't have a medical recheck and doesn't have a throwing session for teams, all bets are off. Because you don't know what you're... And and if the Dolphins decide that that unknown variable is worth the price of two ones and the Bengals are foolish enough to take the price of two ones to drop back, I'm in. I would take Joe Burrow over Tua and give up the extra picks if I could space them out over two years. That's my personal opinion on the matter, and I expect a lot of people will have a lot of different opinions on it. And I understand that. And and listen, that's the beauty of 
of what we do is in an opinion-based field. We get to, to collect all the information as best as we can and, and formulate the best opinion that we possibly can. And not everyone's going to come to the same agreement. But at the same time, I think everybody agrees that getting a hit at the quarterback position is the most important and most valuable thing that the Dolphins can do. So if that's the decision that the team makes, I'll support it. We're going to keep going with fan questions, but not before this brief pause for sponsor identification. So stick tight, come back. We'll be right back after this brief pause. Hey guys, it's Joe Marino. Being around sports media and a fan of the Buffalo Bills for a lifetime has taught me that sometimes it's exploring the sliding doors moments and what if scenarios in sports that can be the best part of the fan experience. What if the Seahawks let Marshawn run on the one-yard line with the Super Bowl on the line? Or could a coin flip have landed Magic in Chicago, Michael in L.A., and made Charles Barkley the first black president? Enter Wondery's newest sports show, Alternate Routes, a weekly leap into the sports multiverse with former Sports Center anchors Trey Wingo and Kevin Frazier. Each week on the podcast, Trey and Kevin will pry open the sliding doors of a different what-if moment from the world of sports. In these alternate sports realities, dynasties will fall, legacies will change forever, and new goats will emerge. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts, and you can listen to Alternate Routes early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery+. Plus. Okay. Question from Tone Toto. What grade would you give the Dolphins offseason thus far? Eric Flowers was a signing that I understand, but I wasn't crazy about. I love the Byron Jones signing. I love the Kyle Van Noy signing. I really like the Shaq Lawson signing. I'd give this a B plus right now. I need to see what the team does at quarterback, of course, and what they choose to do at offensive tackle. And I, I still think this team can't be done at the pass rush position. But by and large, I like the signings. I like the the strategy behind the signings. I like that they've targeted young players. I like that they they didn't go out and, and flush every toilet that they have down the, the drain. But they were aggressive. They you know they followed up on what Chris Greer said, and that Chris Greer told us back in September when they traded Micah Fitzpatrick that we're not going to sit on a bunch of money and we're not going to do a three year rebuild. You know we want to be aggressive and go get guys that we feel like can help us win football games. And it's a very different tune than what we saw twelve months ago. But it's a refreshing change, and with the Dolphins having so much flexibility, I think you'll continue to see them uh, strategically spend and invest in the now for long-term development, but also make some moves once we get into the draft that are going to continue to replenish the deck for next year, too. Home run pitch. If none of the top four tackles fall to 18 and other favorites don't slide there outside of trading back, what do you think about Cushenberry at 18 and Ruiz at 26? Okay, so if you're not familiar with the names, I take it for granted as a big draft guy. Lloyd Cushenberry is the center from LSU. Cesar Ruiz is the center from Michigan. I think both of these guys have center guard versatility, which would be very helpful for the Dolphins. But I don't feel like you're getting good value with Cushenberry at 18. Cushenberry, in my opinion, Best case scenario for Miami would be to take him at 39. So at 18, you know, if you get into a position where you don't like any of the offensive tackles, I see what home run pitch is saying here about doubling, tripling down effectively on the interior offensive line. Uh, Ted Karras, 
Eric Flowers, these two, I feel like it's a little bit of overkill. Uh, I would like to get I would like to get Ted Karras the chance to probably start. So if I'm drafting either Cushenberry or Ruiz, I'm going to be operating under the assumption that that guy's going to play guard early on uh, and go from there. But I'd be selling on the proposition of Cushenberry at 18, Ruiz at 20, is 26. I'd probably be looking at the offensive talent at, at 18 is going to be a problem. Unless you get one of the top four offensive tackles that slide, you're not going to see a lot of really good value, and that's where I get scared for running back. Like, please, let's not make this harder than it has to be. You can get a running back outside the first round. But as far as, like, really good football players, yeah, like the, the J.K. Dobbins and the DeAndre Swifts of the world, will probably be the best best available offensive prospects at that point, not taking into account positional value. So that gets to be a little bit of a slippery slope. So maybe like a free safety like Grant Delpit would make a lot of sense. I'm warming to that idea of Grant Delpit at 18 in front of some safety-hungry teams, Jacksonville Jaguars being one of them, potentially Philadelphia Eagles being another one at 20 and 22. Seamus, address rumors re-burrow. We already got it. What would it might it take to take him? But the part that I do want to discuss here from Seamus, since we already talked about Joe Burrow, pros and cons to Tua, Herbert, and Love versus Joe Burrow. So Joe Burrow is the most polished from a football IQ perspective. I would say Jordan Love probably has the best raw blend of traits as far as athleticism, throwing on the move. Justin Herbert is the best pure arm talent of the group, and Tua has that really special intangibles piece to him. I think Tua is probably the most... uh, You flip a coin between Tua and Burrow for most accurate. Tua, I think, has a little bit more of an aura about him. Joe Burrow's a little bit more gritty. He's got that chip on his shoulder. Got passed over at Ohio State. Nobody wanted to recruit him. He, all he wanted to do when he was in high school was go to Nebraska. He had two brothers that played in Nebraska. Nebraska like wouldn't even give him time of day. Nebraska. So then he goes to Ohio State, and he's a backup. JT Barrett leaves, and he gets beat out by Cardell Jones and then transfers to LSU. So like he's, he's pissed off against the world, whereas two has been a little bit more of a, a prodigal son, a golden arm, premier program, five-star recruit, the works. So I think the dynamics of each of these guys is a little bit different, but you can make a case for each one of them being a compelling choice for the Dolphins. Uh, El Cid Ciento, 33. Do you believe the offensive line will really roll with two rookie starters, or do you anticipate other moves or current players stepping in? I do believe you'll have two rookie starters. I think you'll have an offensive tackle, and you'll probably have an interior offensive lineman. I'd like to see, you know, whether it's Josh Jones or Lucas Nyang at either left or right tackle uh, specifically, and I'd love to see either Cesar Ruiz or Lloyd Cushenberry. The key is don't play them next to each other. That's, that's the important piece for the Dolphins. So if you're going to get Nyang at right tackle, you might want to consider playing Cushenberry at center. Because if you get two rookies side by side, that there's a little bit of a, a learning curve there that at least early in the season might get a little hairy. Uh, Tom, any reason why the Dolphins and Chargers can't have a conversation about which quarterback they want if they get on the same page seems to be neither needs to trade up in the draft? Tom, this is a great point, and I think you're right in the sense that 
these two teams are the two teams left outside of Cincinnati. You look at the landscape. The, the Panthers signed Teddy Bridgewater to a three-year, $63 million deal. They're building towards the future. They've openly stated it. It's weird to me that they paid that kind of money, money for Teddy when you're openly talking about a rebuilding process. Not necessarily dissimilar to the Ryan Fitzpatrick thing, but like they gave Teddy a lot of money. $21 million per year. Uh, I, I expect because of the expenditure, Carolina's out. Jacksonville's getting interesting. They've said they want to build around Gardner Minshew. This could be a team that comes out of left field because they're getting a lot of picks. they got 12 picks, and they have two first-round picks right now. So I don't think Miami's completely out of the woods. And then the Vegas Raiders, if they end up wanting to move on from Derek Carr, at 12, they've got 12 and 19. So they're another team that's got enough in the deck that I don't think you're totally clear to just sit back on your hands and say, well, you know, we're we're good to go. Chargers, we're going to call a truce with you guys. You guys get Herbert, we get two, or we get Herbert, you get two, or whatever. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Finn's QB 13. Will Byron Jones be asked to play multiple positions like Flores tried with Minka, or is Jones set to play exclusively a corner? Jones was awesome as a set corner in Dallas, and I'd love to see a Sam Madison, Pat Sertain 2.0 shutdown tandem. I believe that's the plan. Uh, Byron Jones obviously did spend some time during his early years in Dallas playing some safety, and I think with Eric Rowe in the cards, provided Eric Rowe is able to stay healthy for another season, I don't think you'll you'll see the Dolphins taxed to play Byron Jones there. But the whole thing for Miami is probably they want to play the mismatches. They want to get matchups that they like on the back end, and that at times might include Byron Jones taking a tight end versus being just exclusively an outside press corner. You think about the Dolphins' safeties, and I know there's a lot of Dolphins fans that are really turned off to the idea of Bobby McCain coming back as the free safety this year, and I get it because he only has one year of experience doing it. He was kind of hit or miss for the eight games that he played it. But if you are able to field a secondary that has Byron Jones, Xavier Howard, Eric Rowe, Bobby McCain as your base four, and then you got a nickel, whether it's Nick Needham or somebody else, You've got a, your safeties all have man-to-man coverage experience. And as a team that's probably going to be aggressive, produce a lot of pressure looks, exotic pressure looks, and also ghost pressure looks, having guys that can roll into the slot and play man-to-man coverage is really valuable. And if you got Bobby McCain and the tight ends in the slot and you don't want to task Bobby with going press man against a bigger body, you can take Byron Jones, who has some safety experience, and, and implement him in that regard and get Bobby in a man-to-man matchup against somebody who's you know, not going to overwhelm him with size. So I think that multiplicity is really the value that all of these guys in the secondary and their corner and safety experience alike 
spring. But generally speaking, yes, I do expect you'll see Xavier and uh, Byron Jones are going to be a one-two punch at corner. Got a lot of questions. I don't have a specific name up here right now on the queue, but a lot of people have asked, do I expect Xavier Howard to get traded? And the answer is no, I don't. I think the, the, the way the team still structured this deal when they gave him the extension this summer, uh, they have an out for him if they need to take an out, if health becomes a problem. But I think based on Miami wanting to play an aggressive style of defense, they're going to need in-your-face corner and getting two guys at outside in Xavier and Byron Jones who can play so much press. Like, yeah, it's a lot of money, but the Dolphins roster really doesn't command a ton of cash commitments elsewhere. So to get a pair of lockdown corners and to have this Sam Madison, Patrick Sertain 2.0 potential, let me stress that, potential between Xavier Howard and Byron Jones, I think is a, a key asset and, and a key fixture of the way this defense is being constructed. Uh, Jake wants to know if Jesse Davis is a better guard or tackle. I think he's probably a better swing tackle, and ideally he's your third offensive tackle. He can play on both sides of the line of scrimmage. I don't think he's got the functional strength to really be an asset the way the Dolphins are going to want to play up front uh, to reset the line of scrimmage and, and to, to play forward, uh, which makes him, in my opinion, a better tackle for a guy that can move out in space. And If you're going to slide your protections his way or you're going to give him a back end his way, I think you can make it work at offensive tackle. But he is ideally probably my backup offensive tackle on both sides of the line of scrimmage in a perfect world. Danny, with the first non-Dolphins-related question in Power to the Pod, three episodes, is cheesecake a cake or pie? It's cake. It's cheesecake. Pies, pies are typically more filling, and cake is just more of a overall product. I don't know. You guys tweet me, tell me if you think cheesecake is a cake or a pie, but my instinct says cake. Dave, I know it's not a team need, but if one of the top three wide receivers to fall to 18, do we take them? And also, if there's no obvious picks at 18 or 26, do you see us trading back for a couple of seconds or something like that? For the second part of your question, yes. I absolutely think trading back should be on the table for the Dolphins at anything past the first pick. Uh, if they want to, especially if they want to be aggressive elsewhere, especially if they want to move up for a quarterback and they're able to hold on to other early assets, moving them back and getting multiple returns of multiple picks in a deep class makes a lot of sense. Uh, would they take a wide receiver at 18? We're presuming the top three wide receivers are CeeDee Lamb, Jerry Judy, and Henry Ruggs. I would not say no, just because I think the Dolphins are in a position where they need to draft good football players. So if those those are the highest rated players on the board and they're comfortable with you know, what their alternative options are at other positions elsewhere along the line, or if they know that they're not going to check every box this offseason, I think so. I think it should at least be on the table, but I'd be very surprised. Noodle hand. I just just I was just texting Travis uh, yesterday. Uh, do you think Travis quit using Blue Chew because now he gets a blank every time he interviews a new Miami Dolphin? Love you both. Twice the daily content like Christmas. Um, he tags Travis in here. Uh, Tra- I had no idea that the Travis Wingfield Blue Chew joke was so deeply rooted 
in the Locked On Dolphins culture. So uh, Travis and I had a good chat yesterday talking about what the team is doing. And obviously, if you're keeping up with drive time with Travis, uh, he's He's doing great work over there and getting a chance to talk to all these new Miami Dolphins as their deals are finalized. and uh, it, It's great content, great opportunity. And if you know Travis, you know how passionate he is about the Dolphins, so I'm sure he's as stoked as ever. Uh, Frederick, how exactly are the medicals going to take place with everyone locked at home? I love Tua, but feel like this plays in his favor. It seems like teams have their hands tied. I would argue that this goes against Tua's favor because if the teams can't get the answer... Who remembers what happened with Lyle Collins a couple years ago? Lyle Collins was was generally regarded out of LSU. He plays for the Dallas Cowboys now as a starting. Uh, he's played both guard and tackle throughout the course of his career. Generally considered a top 20 pick. And like the week of the draft, there was a murder in which Lyle Collins was not named a suspect, but at was least, I believe, named a person of interest or somebody who wanted the police wanted to have conversations with, and it happened too close to the NFL draft, Lyle Collins, who was perceived to be a top 20 pick, went completely undrafted because the teams did not have the answers they needed to feel comfortable with it. Now take that with Tua, and obviously nobody died, nobody got killed, but there's a medical component here that is the great unknown. And if the teams don't have the answers they're looking for, I would argue it's less favorable to Tua for a team to say, well, shoot, we're just going to go with it. But to rather say, well, shoot, we don't want to take this risk with this much money and this high of a pick. Wisey, Weezy. I don't know how you say that, man. I can be honest. Should the Dolphins pursue Von Bell around 9 to $10 million a year, put Bobby back in the nickel, and then we have our very own no-fly zone? Uh, that's a lot of money to drop into another defensive back, to be honest with you. Uh, if we were going to drop 9, 10 mil a year on a player, I would probably prefer it to be somebody on the offensive line. Uh, when you, you've got, I actually really like the safety group, guys like Antoine Winfield, Jeremy Chin, Kyle Duggar, a lot of the usual suspects, Grant Delpit, Xavier McKinney. There are plenty of, of potential date two slash first round options at the Dolphins disposal that's going to cost about half that much money and might in a lot of places give you a little bit more athleticism. Last question of the day from Cliffy Mack. What position can you see the Dolphins taking multiple picks up? This is a great question. And I know I got a ton more questions than the one that I got to. So if I get the time. I will respond to some of you guys this afternoon on social media. But what positions are going to get double-dipped? Defensive line, consider it a lock. Corners and safeties, potentially offensive tackle. I think those are your likely spots. I could see this team going after a wide receiver, but not two. I don't think this team will go after tight end with Durham Smythe, Michael Roberts, and Mike Gusecki in the room. Running back's actually a sneaky spot that you could see double-dipped. I don't think quarterback because of the presence of Josh Rosen. Offensively, give me offensive tackle and running back most likely. Defensively, give me pass rushers and safeties as the most likely places to get double-dipped. Hope you guys enjoyed Power to the Pod. 
tip of the cap to everybody who submitted questions. I got a ton of them. As I said, I didn't even get close to answering all of them. Uh, so if I have time this afternoon, I'll circle around with some of you guys and, and hope to get a little bit of social media engagement working. Uh, but if not, we're going to be back on schedule. This will be back again next Tuesday. So I'll have some holdover questions I might earmark. If you have more questions, I will once again solicit them. And if you're not on social media, I hear you. I'm going to work on a way to get you guys some an ability to submit questions to get answered on the podcast as well. I'm Kyle Krabs. I hope you guys enjoy your weekend. Thanks, as always, for listening to Locked On Dolphins. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.